0: Hey all you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens, welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series.
1: We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods, we will cover it all.
0: There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad.
1: Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about Dragon Age and its lore. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup, and I am excited to be here today with my co-host.
0: And I'm the co-host. My name is Shelby, or She-Cup. I'm also super excited to be here because we are officially starting our season six.
1: Yeah, and just as we said this is a uh, return for our season right
0: yeah yeah we're going back to an older kind of topic theme for this season from season four which we talked all about creatures and animals of Thetis, and so we're going back to cover some ones that we missed and didn't talk about um, and maybe some that that y'all suggested for us to cover
1: yeah so I am excited I'm ready to dive in where are we going
0: Yeah, so today we are talking about Brontos, Deep Stalkers, and another animal called Crayotals. And before we get Jumping in into those three creatures, though, I did want to just give a reminder to everyone who's listening. Maybe you didn't listen to our season four. You're starting from the very beginning and going back. I don't know. But this is just a refresher reminder here that we are not discussing the animals and creatures that exist in our world. So you're not going to hear us talk about rams or sheep or horses or anything like that. Um, And that's because we want to talk about things that are unique to Thetis and unique to Dragon Age. So we're going to be talking about the weird creatures. Some of them may definitely have similarities to animals in our world, but we're talking about things that are unique to Thetis. So with our first episode of this new season, we are discussing three, three creatures today that are affiliated with the dwarves. Or that show up in dwarven lore or make their homes in the deep roads. So like I said earlier, we're discussing Bronto, Deep Stalker, and Crayol.
1: I don't even know what the last one is.
0: Yeah, you do. You do. When we get there, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember this. But uh okay. first, let's let's just jump right in. So first one, we're gonna talk about Bronto. Um if you've played Origins, you know what a Bronto is, because there are several in the Deep Roads that you can find. Um, some people say that the Bronto was actually bred by the dwarves, while others argue that they are some kind of ghouled animal that is infected by the taint. We don't know what's true, but those are the two prevailing hypotheses. Yes, you have a question already. Go ahead.
1: So you're telling me that there's disagreement in Thetis
0: imagine imagine that oh the humanity <laughs> uh. um so anyway back to bronto um in origins like i mentioned there are several that you can find scattered throughout the deep roads some of them even seem to be actively working with the dark spawn, which lends credence to the theory that they are tainted creatures Um, But of course, of course, uh, Bronto meat is actually an Orlesian delicacy because of course it is. I don't know why that tracks, but it just does for me.
1: What do you think the internal temperature of meat needs to be to make sure the taint is cooked out of it?
0: I'm going to go ahead and guess well done.
1: Okay. I just, I needed that... I guess it's going to be that kind of episode where I just say whatever <laughs> thought pops into my brain, but that's where I went. What? What? I hope they're not eating it rare.
0: <laughs> I um, think I'd just become a freaking vegetarian. Well, I
1: think so too.
0: <laughs> yep. So, um, anyway, people say. <laughs> That Brontos and Dragon Age are based on the real world dinosaur, the Bronto theater. Um, Austin, I have a picture of it in the notes. I'll post a picture of it on socials or in the Discord when this episode releases, so everybody can follow along. Um, but i I totally see it. What do you think?
1: I would agree with that. I always thought it was like a weird, like, hey, here's this weird rhino kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's, let's get into just their general, general bio and information about them. So basically first is the Bronto is an animal that you can almost only find underground. I think there are a couple occurrences of them above ground, but very, very rare. Um, And you also see them in dwarven settlements, but... Interestingly enough, while they are herded by the dwarves, there are some of them that do live wild throughout the underground of Southern Thetis. So I'm not really sure what the underground of Southern Thetis looks like if it's not cultivated by the dwarves, if it's not the actual deep roads. Um, but that is what the lore tells us.
1: Experience tells us that they can look vastly different, um, especially the deeper you go if we compare the uh, uncharted abyss to the deep roads looks like different environments
0: That is a very fair point. But to get a little bit more interesting here with our Bronto discussion today, I, I I know we've compared them to rhinos. They do look like rhinos, but they also give me big camel vibes because they require very little food and water. And what they do get sustenance from usually comes from water, fungus, or mushrooms, and interestingly enough, rocks. Yeah, you heard that right, rocks. And the dwarves often refer to them as rock liquors, which to me sounds like a slur, but that's just me. <laughs>
1: hmm rock liquor sounds like something you would call a lyriumatic. so
0: it is a slur canon i mean I, I know that the
1: way that they like ingest lyrium as templars is not in its like raw form but still you I mean they're not licking funny. it no i don't think they're licking it
0: um um yeah that's fair So I do have a couple quotes. So first is a quote from the Codex. And this says, sent for more Brontos from Orzammar today. We lost two in a landslide and they were carrying full loads of silver and iron. Those responsible have been flogged. The creatures are useful underground in wide tunnels, but not so sure-footed on the mountain passes, and bringing them to the surface in daylight is always a catastrophe waiting to happen. They're spooked by every sign of movement, and once riled up, they'll charge just about anything in sight. Bah! Must investigate the possibility of using a more even-tempered beast. Donkeys, perhaps. The humans swear by them
1: they're like sheep they're dumb
0: i don't think they're dumb i just think they don't know how to adjust to the surface and like you know the existence of the sun
1: i guess that's fair
0: and then i have one other like funny quote that says there's only two things a noble will step aside for paragons and angry brontos and that is a dwarven saying
1: Again, the thing that it makes me think of is like I came for paragons and angry brontos and I'm all out of paragons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we do know a few of the uses that brontos are used for. Notably, as I've already mentioned, they are used as a beast of burden and they're also used as a mount. People do ride them. They are also used as their bron- their leather is used uh, to make dwarven weapons. And we've already mentioned that their meat is a delicacy for surfacers, but it actually is a fairly normal meat for the dwarves. And then we do have two notable Brontos who are named. We have Snug, who is a companion of Jarek Dace. And if you don't know who Jarek is, he is a companion in the DLC for Origins, The Golems of Amgrac. And then the second notable Bronto we have is Wonka, who is a companion of the dwarf Radigan, who is the Carta boss who is assigned to capture Hawk during the Legacy DLC. So we do have two named Brontos. And we do see them in all three games. DAO and DA2, we see them almost solely in the Deep Roads, or at least areas near a Deep Roads entrance. And then in DAI, we actually see them in the Descent DLC, which again is in the Deep Roads. But we also see them in Crestwood and in the Emerald Grapes. And in Inquisition, we use their hides and their teeth for crafting. So that's a little bit about the Bronto. Do you have thoughts so far, Austin?
1: I think they are probably the like least strange of the Deep Roads creatures. Um, they're just, I mean, they, they're they a beast of burden. Um, I can't remember if I'm thinking of a different game, but are there Rontos in Dragon Age 2? I have never heard of a Ronto. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Oh, well, anyway, I think, but their Bronto leather, I is that the one that gives you kind of like a cool little white thing, color when you tint with it?
0: I'm going to be really honest. I do not have that memorized.
1: Oh, all you remember is ring velvet.
0: That is Correct.
1: All right. Well, that was it. That was all. I mean, I think they're interesting creatures. Um, Every game, every fantasy world has their like take on the rhino or like ox or beast of burden kind of thing. And I mean, it's at least interesting. I think it's really interesting the fact that they develop underground, but they don't really look like an underground creature.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think for me, the thing that I find most perplexing is the the claim from some dwarves that they are actually infected by the taint, that they're ghouled of some, some capacity. Mm-hmm. We are not really sure, but that's the thing that's most perplexing to me. Because if we think about that and we think about the fact that, okay, this is a normal meat for dwarves to consume... It makes the claim or the rumor, I should say, that the Kalshirok dwarves are tainted dwarves make a little bit more sense.
1: It does. It does make a little more sense, especially I didn't think about that and its relation to Kalshirok.
0: Well, if that's all we have about the Bronto, let's take an early mid break and then we'll come back and talk about the two other creatures.
1: All right. That sounds like a plan. what makes your ram so special
0: well he's always brought the family luck and his advice helped us make our fortune your ram offered advice how do you get your hair to do that dorian with magic with proper hygiene and grooming maybe all three of you should get acquainted Kirkwall's not brown enough for me but hey no darkspawn
1: ferelden wasn't that brown the dirt and mac gave it character So welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all the things that do with the podcast but not the lore and it's here where we thank our patrons a special thank you to all our patrons a special thank you to our first patrons Genesis and Lisa M a special thank you to our divine tier patron kit and a very special thank you to our Nug King Lewis H. Uh, We also have two new patrons, Jalen and Quincy. Thank you all for signing up. We greatly appreciate your support. And if you'd like to support us too, you can go to patreon.com slash DA Lorecast and sign up at the various tiers. If you sign up at our $10 tier and you sign up for at least three months, you will get a sticker eventually. Um, And they're really cool. We just sent out our... ...recent round of stickers, and so if you want that merch, you can sign up at that tier. And as always, you can sign up at our $20 tier, the First Enchanter tier, to come on the show with us every uh, once a month. You can do that. If you can't support us on Patreon, we totally get that. And we know that not everyone can do that, and we love providing this content. But you can support us by leaving ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify... Uh, If you leave us five stars and a kind review, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. Also, you can leave us comments on individual episodes on Spotify. And so I have a comment to read today. This comes from our Cassandra uh, character deep dive episode, and it comes from Eris, and it says, second favorite romance of all time, by the way. I think it's interesting to not necessarily trust her at the beginning, but by the end, trust her with everything. And thank you for that. Uh, Comment, We greatly appreciate it. And the last thing is you can join the discord and you can now follow us on threads at cups podcasting and you can find us there. And I think that's all I got for the middle of the show.
0: All right. Well, let's get back into it. Have a care where your eyes linger Alistair. Yes. Well, don't worry. It's not what you think. I see. I was looking at your nose. And what is it about my nose that captivates you so? I was just thinking that it looks exactly like your mother's. I hate you so much.
1: I was one of the crows you hired to kill the Grey Wardens. I thought you looked familiar. Well, I just wanted to report that I failed my mission, Loghain.
0: You don't say.
1: I'm terribly broken up over it. Hmm.
0: Well, thank you kindly for informing me. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. So, let's get into the deep stalker. Yes. Okay, so the deep stalker, I have a few fun facts. Um in dwarven fairy tales and nursery rhymes, they often appear as villains or at least antagonists. And the dwarven language we don't know a ton about it, but we do know that the de- the deep stalker word in dwarven is tezpadam, and I think they look like lizards with worm mouths that are able to curl up into a ball that looks exactly like a rock, which I also find absolutely disgusting.
1: Yeah, there's really only one uh, creature that I find like more disgusting or creepy than the deep stalkers and that's those grub things from awakening
0: really all right okay well let's get into a little bit about them so they are small lizard like creatures that again are found primarily in the deep roads and also in caves throughout Thetis. they are pretty vicious even though they're small their number one prey is the common nug They also carve tunnels through the stone of Thetis in search of all of their prey, which I'm just going to be honest here. We've talked about how nugs eat rocks. We've talked about deep stalkers tunnel through rocks freaking brontos lick rocks i don't know what the obsession with rocks is but i don't like it and frankly i never ever would want to meet any of these creatures in real life ever
1: even a nug a cute little nug no you don't want to meet the hairless bunny
0: the nug would be fine if it wasn't for the hands
1: oh yeah that's fair
0: Okay, but let's get back to the Deep Stalker for a little bit because I do have a quote from the Codex. And so this is this one was just really interesting to me, so I wanted to read a lot of it. So it says this Deep Stalkers are one of the few natural non-darkspawn creatures to live deep underground. They generally burrow deep beneath the ground and then strike when their prey is within their midst stalkers have round mouths full of serrated teeth and come in several types spitters have venom glands and can spit secretions that slow or injure the prey jumpers hurl themselves at their targets knocking them down and making the kill easier The most common variety scares its prey, leaving the unfortunate victim helpless against the rest of the pack. Although a single deep stalker poses no threat to any experienced explorer, packs can be quite lethal.
1: Okay. I just, I have several things. One, this might just be a game mechanic, but these things hang around corrupted spiders. Okay, And like, they're not like, fighting each other so they like exist at least from a game mechanic standpoint exist in some kind of harmony with each other this feels like this is probably one of the most the first creatures that I've like felt like like this is so fantasy like this is not like really comparable to anything that we have it's like this mutated lizard on crack that eats rocks
0: I think that's fair. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. The thing for me that messes me up the most with it is their mouths. The one, especially the ones that have like the serrated teeth, like it's just gross to me. But let's continue on. Um, Like I mentioned in the Codex entry, we read they almost always hunt in packs. They do tend to burrow underground or hide in darkness and then strike when the prey is least suspecting it. And they can actually also camouflage themselves and then strike. So that's very chameleon energy. Um, Again, they can also run and jump at their victims, attacking again with the creepy mouths. Um, The thing that's interesting to me though is that they do not attack unless they have a numerical advantage. Um, and they also will lure their prey out away from the praise pack um, to single them out, basically, and then attack them. So that's a little bit about the deep stalkers. But before we talk about where we see them, I um, have a few dwarven fairy tales things to bring up. So I have another Dwarven saying, and this one is a fool trusts his eyes. A wise man fears that every rock is a deep stalker. So that's another little Dwarven motto. Mm. And then I have a story. Um, This is a common tale told amongst the Dwarves, and it was said to be originally told by Paragon Ebrian. And this is how the Deep Stalker came to be. In a time only the stone remembers, a warrior named Gasson won honor and glory for his house. He won a dozen provings and defended his tag against a legion of darkspawn. But though he was bold, Gasson was also selfish and unkind with a temper like spitting magma. He would rant and rage, mock and malign, until eventually Gasson's friends turned their backs on him. His house crumbled, and he was cast into the deep roads. There, in the great darkness, Gasson's anger roared up so bright it blinded him. He snatched up his sword and began to attack the carvings honoring noble paragons that lined the walls. One, two... With each blow of his sword, he cursed the paragons and the stone herself in a voice that echoed from one end of the deep roads to the other. But the stone always hears the voices of her children for good or for ill. As the carvings fell in ruins at Gasson's feet, each chunk of rock uncoiled, becoming a horrid creature with a maw full of teeth. One, two, hundreds rose and surrounded gason in a pack, devouring him bite by bite before scattering into the dark. The creatures, which we call Tezpadam stalk the deep roads to this day. They can curl up like tiny stones, waiting to pounce upon trespassers as they pounced upon gason so long ago." And that's why you're not to play noisy games near the entrance to the deep roads. They just might gobble you up, too. You know what I think of?
1: This is going to be, like, super, super niche, but I feel like our audience is the one. You know the Series of Unfortunate Events movie? The um, the lake or the sea with all the leeches in it? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? When he, like... Uh-huh. Pushes her in there and they all like swarm on around her or whatever. That's what I think of with these deep, deep stalkers.
0: Yeah, that's gross. I don't like that. Yeah, I very much when I first read this codex entry in this story, I uh, kind of had big Beauty and the Beast vibes because number one, the guy's name is Gaston. It's only one letter different from Gaston, mm-hmm. and I just felt like their personalities were so similar. So I wonder if if the developers kind of just like, Ha-ha, bet nobody will get this kind of situation.
1: Right? Maybe. Um, it's also just like a classic fairy tale formula, like. Don't be overly unkind or rageful. Um, yeah. Don't go exploring where you shouldn't. Don't be noisy.
0: Don't be loud. Mm-hmm. You're being too loud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so interestingly enough, I couldn't find any occurrence of Deep Stalkers um, existing in Dragon Age 2 if I'm wrong about that and you know, oh, they're in this one quest in the Deep Roads or in the Legacy DLC, whatever, let me know. Um, but I could not find it anywhere. So as of right now, they they appear in Origins and Inquisition. In Origins, we only see them in the Deep Roads. In Inquisition, we see them in the Deep Roads and we see them in Crestwood and we see them in the Storm Coast in the caves. But let's move on to the Creadle, which I find the disgusting ones. Like, they're worse looking than any of the other two that we've talked about today. Again, I will post pictures of this one in the Discord on socials because you may not know what it looks like. But it looks like humanoid arms and shoulders with weird paws and disgusting teeth and horns. And it just looks nasty to me
1: um it's not as disgusting as the grubs but it's pretty it's pretty uh it's up there
0: it reminds me a little bit of the envy demon
1: yeah a little bit i think it's like if the envy demon and a varin from mass effect had a
0: baby agreed 100% agreed yes absolutely um so we know basically nothing about these but I wanted to include them because they are a new creature that came into play in Inquisition. So we may see them again who knows, but basically they are ancient war beasts and they're typically found say it with me in the deep roads. Deep roads. They are like I said brand new to DAI and the only place we see them in Inquisition is in the Descent DLC. Interesting. Yeah, so again, I brought a quote from their, their codex, and um, it says this Long before the first tiges, legend speaks of the Krayatl, horned war beasts with eyes like molten silver. Possessing the might of three brontos, the Krayatl charged their prey using a rock hard frill to smash their targets to a bloody pulp. The Creatol held down their prey with four strong legs, quickly stripping their victim's flesh from the bone with powerful jaws. Despite their brutality, some creatol were domesticated as fierce weapons in battle. What happened to these savage creatures is unknown. Some people claim the dark spawn wiped them out. Others say they never existed. Those with more imagination speculate that these magnificent creatures retreated deep within the earth in search of the deadliest prey.
1: Um, This is just a general PSA for all of Thetis for everything. If we could stop just awakening ancient, long-forgotten powers and entities, that would be great.
0: That's a fair point. I think the end of this codex where it says those with more imagination speculate that these magnificent creatures are treated deep within the earth in search of the deadliest prey. What if it was a Crayadal who awoke the Titan in the Descent DLC? It's
1: possible. What if there? what if the dead, what would be the deadliest prey? Would it not be the archdemons?
0: I would argue it would be arch demons or titans, one of the two.
1: Yeah. It's interesting.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, um, that is the Krayatl and the Deep Stalker and the Bronto. We've covered some dwarven beasts. Do you have thoughts about any of the three, about anything we've talked about today before we get into our side character?
1: Every time we talk about the dwarves, every time we talk about anything related, to their environment, to their culture, to whatever. I'm convinced more and more never to live in Orzmar.
0: That's a fair point. I personally still want to know what's up with Kalshirak, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to know all this information. I just like the dwarves have got it rough.
0: Yeah. I mean, with all of this danger that literally surrounds them every day of their lives, It kind of makes sense from an evolutionary perspective that their birth rates are declining. Like, you know what I mean? Their bodies are just kind of saying, no, this is not the environment to raise a child in. We, we revolt. No.
1: (laughs) I would be curious to know like statistics of like comparing sample size birth rates from like surface dwarfs versus those who live in Orzammar and Kalsarok.
0: Yeah, I would love to have that information, but sadly mm-hmm. enough, we don't have it. <laughs> All right. right, well, let's let's get into our side character for today. This is an interesting one that I've had on our list for a while. It's Brother Burkle, who is a dwarf. Um, we unfortunately don't know a ton of information about his backstory, but I will give you the information we do know. Um, but before we dive in, Austin, do you remember who Brother Burkle is?
1: Of course I do.
0: Okay, who is he?
1: Um, he is a dwarf. <laughs> uh, he's a dwarf that you meet in Dragon Age Origins. He wants okay, to start right. he, he wants to start the chantry in Orzammar.
0: That is correct. I really thought you were gonna end with he is a dwarf. Um But yes, so he is a surface dwarf, actually, who, as far as we know currently, is from the Redcliffe area. And he is a unique dwarf because, as you said, he is a follower of the maker and And not only that, but he is a brother in the Chantry, which is the highest rank that a man can attain in the Chantry. So we meet him in Origins as he is a side quest giver because he wants to open a chantry in Orzammar and he is requesting the hero of Ferelden's help to do so. The quest is named the Chant in the Deeps and you find him right near the entrance of Dust Town. He can also make an appearance in the quest Zerlinda's Woes, which is a quest about helping a woman who is pregnant and has been cast out of her family. If you have completed the chant in the deeps, then you can send her to Brother Burkle and he will help her and her son. So if you complete Brother Burkle's quest that he gives you, he is basically overjoyed and his chantry is opened. And surprise of all surprises, it becomes incredibly successful. And it draws a ton of converts from the dwarven population. Um, I assume primarily casteless and lower caste dwarves. We're not really sure um, 100% the breakdown of the demographics of his congregation. But I am making the assumption that his congregation of the Chantry is giving hope to, you know, a cast of people who literally have no social safety net whatsoever. The epilogue, which I must remind you all, is not necessarily canon. It is an unreliable narrator. But the epilogue says that the more conservative traditional members of Dwarven society are really upset about the success of this Chantry And they take action via the assembly to restrict the rights of any dwarf who converts to Androstianism. Brother Burkle and his converts peacefully protest these new laws. And so the traditional dwarves send an armed guard in response. Brother Burkle was arrested during this protest and killed during the process. His death then led to significant riots throughout Orzammar by converts and by those who still believed in Dwarven traditions, but who just thought that the maker, uh, the Andrastians, just had a right to exist. And so all of this happens. It's tumultuous in Orzammar. It word spreads. It gets out throughout Thetis, The divine hears about all this. And potentially thinks about calling an exalted march in response to Orzammar. Mm. Which we can talk about that. But that's that's pretty much all we know about Brother Burkle. I do wish we knew a little bit more about him. Um, But I kind of think this potential exalted march of the divine is actually one that makes sense. A lot of them are oh we call them against the elves or we went back on our promises or we're taking back land that we said you could have or we're fighting to venter because we've hated you for centuries or whatever. This to me like this is this is justifiable cause like they killed an ordained member of the religion oppressed converts and it led to riots throughout the city so for me it's like okay well this action is is one that the divine i think had every every uh fair intention to to pursue
1: i agree with you um and i think that this is a point where we have to acknowledge that like the story of Andros, andraste and the tenets of the religion can sometimes like are different depending how their effect on people are different depending on the context that those people are hearing them in and so like we often think of the chantry as an oppressive force as a force that restricts people that restricts mages but to people like the castless those lower tiered classes in this class system a message about this person who was enslaved and oppressed and rose up and rebelled and demanded, you know, liberty from her profess oppressors would be one of hope and would be one that would make those who are in power under that su- that system very, very cautious and at hostile to that said establishment i think that androstianism as a religion is an active threat to the way Orzammar
0: is set up mm-hmm. because Orzammar is predicated on oppression like it literally mm-hmm. would not be able to function without the caste system in my opinion so i i very much agree with everything you said and i've been thinking about how like It's interesting to me that the Divine doesn't call an exalted march against Orzammar, but in so many other cases, they have called exalted marches against stupid stuff, like, again, the Dales. But for me, it's like, this is the system of politics. Like, she didn't call a Divine, or she didn't call an exalted march against Orzammar because it would be a political nightmare to do so. They would lose their entire supply of lyrium, alienate the Dwarves and for what just one priest is probably what her advisors are telling her even though again it would be completely within her rights and completely justifiable to pursue this the political system says no the risks outweigh the benefits for just this one guy and some converts that probably don't have any money to give us
1: Mm -hmm. um i'm going to quote a uh Historical kind of joke that is. That's uh never do a land invasion of Russia in the winter. That's I think that's kind of where her advisors are probably come from. The Deep Roads and Orzamar are largely unknown areas to the surface armies. It the dwarfs, not only would the dwarves have a major home field advantage against the Chantry, but also the Chantry's Templars would suffer because they wouldn't have the lyrium they need and then that would cause issues with their circles which they're already experienced at this point are already somewhat experiencing but like fledglings of issues with
0: yeah absolutely Um, uh, and that makes total sense it's just for me i always think about like your actions don't line up with what you say you believe you know um i think about that a lot like you say you believe in that you know all all people who convert to the maker are worthy or whatever but then you don't defend those who are being killed just because they converted it'll be interesting
1: to see i really hope that I know that they largely ignore the events of Origins um, in the games, but I hope that they bring back this one in just a little bit, especially if we're going to pick up a little bit how the Descent DLC leaves things off. Uh, if there's a potential for Dwarven mages to come out here, I think the chantry is the Chantry's relationship with Orzammar and the Dwarfs is going to be very, very interesting.
0: And will definitely have to change as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's about all I have for Brother Burkle, unless you have any final thoughts.
1: I do not. Uh, I am sad for his fate because he is like just a truly earnest guy who wants to help people. Um, But it's sad what happens to him. But if that's all we got, we can wrap it up. So before we go, I do have a special thank you to our Nug King patron, Louis H., who gets thanked at the end of every show. Thank you for your support. Thank you all for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast.
0: If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our Cups podcasting and more Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. You can find us there on Patreon.com slash Dragon Age Lorecast.
1: The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description.
0: If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipeman Studios. Thank you, Pipeman. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time.
1: Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Micola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, from SoftLorecast, available everywhere.